have always been a really big nerd. <laughs> and so I thought, well, let's do some basic lessons about history, about chemistry, about all these different subjects through the lens of cocktails. Welcome back to The Simple Plate, tales of local food produced by local people. In this episode, we meet Emily Vickra. In this time of virtual happy hours, her work from home as the co-founder of Vicra Distillery, distance learning with her two little kids, and her inner nerd met in a perfect storm of creativity, slap happiness. She's launched an online look at all the great disciplines, art, history, mathematics, language, through the lens of cocktails. I was thinking about this and all the homeschooling, and I was like... Let's do some homeschooling for grown-ups, too, because we're home. We may as well use this time for edification, but let's make it more fun with cocktails. And I have always been a really big nerd, <laughs> and I love to learn about things, and I love knowledge for the sake of knowledge and researching things. And so just in the, since starting a distillery, I have done a lot of research about cocktails um, and cocktail history and the... Um, you know, the biology of fermentation and the chemistry of aging in barrels and the chemistry of extracting flavors. And so I thought, well, let's do some basic lessons about history, about chemistry, about all these different subjects. I want to do one about art and physics and all of that, but kind of through the lens of cocktails. If you like to read and you read books set in historical time periods, one of the things that you read about is absinthe very much that the bohemian lifestyle and the belle époque and all those writers and artists um, did enjoy being fueled by absence. <laughs> and at the time they thought it, um, you know, that it was kind of psychoactive and uh, for a while wormwood got this bad rap of being psychoactive, but it turns out that for the most part using the amounts that it is used in absence, it probably isn't and it probably isn't dangerous and they were probably just drinking too much. If you look at History especially, when you look at the history of humankind and people have been drinking since since recorded history and probably before because, of course, fruit that was sitting out, natural yeast would land on it and start to ferment it. And so it's always been this part of human culture. It has been just a huge part of human culture. So it's really interesting to see the different ways and forms it takes and how that relates to the other things that are going on in history and the other things that are going on in art and in literature and um, discoveries and, and all of that, especially with like distillation and cocktails. A lot of these things were originally uh, created with a medicinal purpose. It's one of the few things that obviously abused it's very bad for you and can have mm -hmm. tragic repercussions, but you can also drink in moderation because you really mm -hmm. enjoy the taste. We try to promote and talk about this whole idea of drink less, drink better, kind of mindfulness. When you have something that is really beautiful and really intentionally created, it does lend itself more to that slower, more enjoyable, more steeped in sensations experience. When you're talking about cocktails or even the kinds of liquors that you folks make, do you have a language like that to describe either what you've created or what it is that you're going for? Yeah, totally. I think there is always that balance of 
language that is useful uh, and accurate for portraying how something tastes. And then the fact that everyone's tastes are a little bit different and uh, experience is subjective and a lot of it is place-based and time-based and it is more artistic and creative and why not describe a flavor based on like the sensations that it gives you or what it brings to mind rather than just saying like it seems off dry and probably around five percent this we definitely share some vocabulary with wine and talk a lot about the actual a lot of the spirits that we make are infused with fruits and herbs and spices and roots and so you can talk about all those things that are actually go in there and give it those flavors. When you age something in wood, like a whiskey or aged ahi, the wood gives more flavors. The oak gives more flavors than just oak because there are chemical processes that happen and new molecules that are formed that are flavor molecules. And so you do wind up talking a little bit more about tannins and about blackcurrant buds and cooked porridge with marmalade and, and things like that that definitely aren't in there but that it evokes and one of the things I actually talked about a little bit in one of the little lessons that I put up and I was talking about a couple of cocktails featured in some novels is that a lot of these things because of the sociology and the culture of different cocktails or different wines or different beers they are descriptive. They can be used descriptive in and of themselves because they really allow you to um, evoke a scene or evoke a certain personality characteristic that we tend to, because of sociology, associate with a particular drink. Think of the James Bond martini. If you have a gentleman who waltzes into a bar and orders this really stiff drink and with very particular specs and wants it shaken, not stirred, right there, you get this shorthand and this idea for who this person is, that they're kind of bold, that they take command, that they are a little bit brooding and like their drink's stiff. And the fact that he asks for something shaken, not stirred, gives you the sense that he's willing to shake up the norms and go outside of what people expect of him. You describe somebody as drinking a Bud Light versus somebody sitting at a bar drinking the latest small batch craft brew, you automatically get, and it may or may not be accurate, but we all will tend to form a picture of who that person is. Have you developed a recipe for a quarantini? What I have been using for my own personal quarantini when I decide I need one is um, basically just, it's called a 50-50 martini. Uh, So it's like a martini, but it is a little less dry And I do an ounce of our juniper gin and an ounce of Cokie Americano, which is an aromatized white wine. It's really lovely and aperitif. And a couple of dashes of orange bitters. And I stir that with ice and pour it into a cocktail coupe and garnish it with a lemon twist. You can listen to this conversation again online at KUMD.org under the Northland Morning tab, where you can also leave comments or questions. This episode of The Simple Plate was written and produced at KUMD by Lisa Johnson, with music from Andy Halleck and Polo and support provided by the Whole Foods Co-op of Duluth. The Simple Plate is also located wherever you find your podcasts, so you can take us with you when you go out to eat or share us with your friends and family. Thank you.